0: This is Coda Radio, episode 120 for September 22nd, 2014. Everyone, and welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this year's show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our excellent host, established on the East Coast, Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. Hello! Aha, You were teasing me. You were come live. You were playing with me because you did that on the pre-show, right? Tell me, did you, you like that? Tell me I you totally planned that. Did you totally plan that?
1: A little bit, yeah. No, I'm, writing a, I'm writing out. a am writing out a reply yeah. to someone here. <laughs>
0: at the top of the show, too. It sounds like the right time to do something like that. Why not?
1: Just you know. well, It's related to this show.
0: You know, as the show gets started, what I find to be really kind of clearing is just to get – I get all my phone calls out of the way. I get all my emails done. If I've got any text messages to send, I, I do those as we're starting the show. So that way, about a good 30 minutes into the show, I'm ready. I'm present. You know? That's my commitment to you. <laughs>
1: well, that's, that's how I roll, right?
0: <laughs> well, we have uh, too much show today. It's ridiculous. In fact, uh, I got a letter uh, from your buddy uh, Barack Obama. Uh, here it is, right here. And he says, uh, "Dear Michael Dominic, this is too much podcast for one show. Would you please consider sanctioning your podcast and making it two episodes?" And, uh, I, and I, hello everybody. Jeez, oh, hi. Uh, I said, "No, get it out of here. Get it out of here. We are going to. We have a big show today, and uh, we have just some brief feedback. Normally, the Coda Radio Show. Uh, you know, I I kept hearing Mike all all week long. Like, oh, I'm I got it, I got it from a few people. Oh, I'm going to write in an email." And I'm going to tell those code radio guys about privacy and how, the, how Mike is – he's crazy. And I don't, I don't think we got like hardly anything on that. But I got a lot of people tell me they were going to. And if those people had taken the time that they took to tell me they were going to email and actually emailed, we would probably have a longer feedback segment.
1: Well, it, you know, it's my raw sexual magnetism. <laughs> that might be it. That that keep they're afraid they're intimidated.
0: That's what keeps me here. I'll be honest.
1: Uh, that's right, right.
0: Hey, I'm pff, no not hiding it, and that's what that's why I'm here. I show up every. Also, week. did
1: you see this Samsung purple smartwatch? Oh uh, uh, no, no no. Uh, uh hold, yeah, hold on. Hold on, yeah.
0: On,
1: What? Yeah, I'm gonna link it in the uh, chat here. Okay. Bam. So it is end. it. Okay, so th- they say it's wine red, but uh, kids, that color is purple.
0: Hmm. Hold on. Color's man. been
1: purple for a long time.
0: Is this like when they had something that was gold that turned out to be uh, not gold? Remember that? It was like, oh, well, actually, I actually think that's not a bad purple, though. No, I like it.
1: I'm not I'm not r- r- uh, ripping them apart. I, I actually would totally wear that.
0: No, you wouldn't.
1: I absolutely would. Shut
0: up. No, you would not I c- wear that. I
1: currently wear an orange watch.
0: I don't think you'd wear that watch, dude. <laughs> I don't think you'd wear I- that. So, oh come on! I'm a big fan
1: of the purples and pinks.
0: Really? Well, I mean, I, that's fine. But I uh, first of all, uh, I just I think you have better taste than getting a gear. But uh, well, I, the oh.
1: only thing is, I, I hate Samsung. Yeah, that's what I mean. But, like if Motorola came out, I'm not commenting
0: so much on the color. I'm talking about that yeah. it's a Samsung gear. Well, you know, this is where people. they're at now. This is where they're at in the brand space. They're that they're that brand now. Don't you think? And I'm not. You know, I'm just. Mm-hmm. Saying. I th- the problem is is uh, here's what I've decided about the smartwatches. I, I think I'm out until. Uh, Pebble. I'm going to wait for the next Pebble and see what they do. Because right now, I want something. I have. I have two. I have an Android and an iOS. And there's nothing that works with all of them except for Pebble. So I can be a patient man. You know, the thing is, like, I don't
1: want more notifications. In no, fact, right, I would yeah. like yeah. fewer of them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So the idea of a smartwatch just uh, doesn't fly.
0: No, it's kind of no.
1: But let's help the children.
0: All right. Chris writes in, not this Chris, different Chris, on the topic of responding to P.T. Dave and how he's going to take on some uh, classes for students and teaching them how to develop. Uh, in response to P.T. Dave's email from last episode, I think that as long as he stays in the industry to some degree and continues his, getting his curriculum up to date, he'll be all set. I'm a senior in high school, and the biggest problem I've had with my IT-related classes is that my teachers are otherwise excellent, but they aren't in tune with the advancements of technology. Yeah, but that's not too uncommon. Uh, He goes on to say that, as a result, we're learning incredibly outdated things like web design with frames, Flash, and even Microsoft FrontPage. He'll be doing a great service to his students simply by staying modern and doesn't need to worry so much about implementation details. Also, in response to what Chris said about podcasts, I absolutely agree. They're probably the best resource I've had to learn about technology. I've been listening to TechSnap and Coda Radio since their first episodes. And I can say without a doubt, I've learned more useful information from them than all my high school classes combined. I doubt that. <laughs> no, I'm going to. I do not accept. I do not accept. I do not accept. But uh, thanks, Chris. Um, I agree. Stay current. That would be uh, key, I think, is stay current. And uh, the fact that there's still classes out there teaching front page and frames makes me a, a very sad panda. I do not. Uh, so, P.T. Dave, I think you're on the right course just by even worrying about it. Okay, Mike, our next email comes in from Kyle, and Kyle has, uh, he he he, gro- he, gro- he grokked that we were a little uh, biased towards the Dvorak keyboard layout and thought it was kind of ridiculous. Um, it is, but yeah. okay, right. So he says, hi, Chris, I know you guys are alternative keyboard layout haters. See, now we've been... You see now how we're just generally haters for all keyboard layouts now, except for Cordy. Like, Cordy Master Race over here. Cordy uh, Power. Yeah. Uh, but I thought I'd give you a hopefully unbiased account of using one. A year ago, my productivity was crippled, literally, by pain in my hands from typing. I decided to do something, needed to cha- I needed some change, and I tried using Dvorak because I heard it would help. I spent a week or so learning that before I heard about some newer alternatives called Colmec and Workman. I, th- I don't know if I'm getting Colmec right. C-O-L-E-M-A-K. Do with that as you will. He so says, I waffled a bit on which to actually use, but I decided to go with Colmac because it's included with every Linux distro. Hey, that's nice. And it even gets easy to get going on Windows 8. I wasn't interested in typing speed. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't interested in typing speed dick measuring contests. In fact, typing speed is more or less uh, the same as it was with QWERTY. I just wanted relief from pain in my hands. Colmac has helped me enormously with this regard because it explicitly is designed to encourage you. Uh, to alternate hands when typing and reduce the frequency you have to reach for distant keys. Another great thing about it is that it's designed so that the bottom row of keyboard resembles QWERTY, so copy and paste hotkeys don't change. Ooh. Now... There are some downsides. Hotkeys still need to be remapped in some programs. And if you're using older versions of Windows, you'll need to run a tiny executable you can download from the Colmask website to get you going. The biggest downside is i found that the, the claims by advocates of alternative layouts that you won't forget how to type in QWERTY simply aren't true. After about a month with Colmec, I completely forgot how to touch type with QWERTY, and I've been reduced to hunt and peck when using that layout. Not much fun. And I have to say, so I only really use QWERTY for gaming these days. Anyhow, I still love Colmec, and I have no plans of switching back. Colmac is an alternative Dvorak that will save you on stress-related injuries. Worth checking out, Kyle. That's a good input. I, you know, I know people. I when I go to the when I go to the fests and the cons, I, I bump into people who talk a lot about uh, wrist pain and and carpal tunnel stuff, and so it's a big problem out there. I don't know if you, do you ever have that, Mike. Have we talked about that?
1: Uh, you know, I don't. I don't think so. I, we've talked about ergonomic keyboards. I mean, I'm using a DOS keyboard right now. You know, our third host, mm-hmm. and uh, I. <laughs> I just can't get into the alternative keyboard thing. I just can't.
0: Yeah, you just um you know you just need to hang out for uh, brain connection connectivity. That'll be the superior connective method. Uh Kalan. Kelan, writes in, <clears throat> Hey guys, thanks for all the great episodes. This is our last email. See, so I told you it's gonna be fast feedback. Uh after the episode on uh, you talked about notch, I wanted to get your take on a more on generally the state of economics of indie development. I've been working with a team of nine people on a game side project. We're either students, working full-time or both. The project started as a 48-hour game jam that we decided to take further by meeting another 48-hour jam the next month. After meeting for several months, we formed an LLC to hold the investment of time we're putting into the project ourselves against some of the drama we knew could happen if we were ever lucky enough to become successful. Two years plus later, we're still mirroring uh, the uh, successful. Let's see. Two years later, we're still meeting and launched a Kickstarter and Steam Greenlight campaign in September to help bring it to completion. So uh, he'll include the uh, Kickstarter video, which we'll take a look at here in a second. He says, we've seen a lot of excitement for people as we showcase the game at various conferences and festivals, especially kids, but the campaign has been pretty tough going. None of us are expecting to live off the revenue from the game, but even without counting the hours spent, things like software licensing and promotions and all of that. So do you think Kickstarter is still or ever will be a viable way to fund basic costs of development for projects that require talents of multiple people? Do you have any suggestions for scaling up collaboration for more than just one or two people for large teams in a way that works economically, even if it's just to cover costs? Thanks for your thoughts. So he sent us along the Kickstarter Mike. Uh, they've got 68 backers. They've had 5,000 in pledges, 5,000 dollars. Their goal is a $24,000 goal. So they're pretty shy of it with only nine days to go. Mm. Uh, do you want to see a little bit of the video? Here, I'll play a little bit. Of Let's it. see the video. Play it up. All right. All right. Here we go. This is exciting. Um, this is uh, – we'll have this link to the show notes too. All right. So we're getting some in-game shots of the train. Tumbleweed Express, the fastest gun in the west. So it's uh, it looks like it's uh, it's got a train. There's ships flying with uh, laser guns, and the uh, train itself has laser cannons. So that's pretty cool. It's a uh, Unity-powered game that'll be available for Mac, uh, Linux, and Windows. And uh, so he's wondering if. Do we think that uh, Kickstarter is a viable funding platform for independent developers? And I might even add the caveat, maybe not well-known independent developers. Uh, Mike, have you ever thought about doing a Kickstarter for a project of yours? Did you opt out for any particular reason? What do you think about the whole topic?
1: You know, I, uh, I'm i not a Kickstarter person. I, I was enthusiastic in the beginning, but I could definitely see why people do it. But I, I do feel like getting traditional funding is a pretty good and I, I know you're setting me up because I put this on Twitter last week. is a is a pretty good um, shall we say sniff test for a project. <laughs> now games are kind of a different, in my mind, a different uh, different thing, especially small indie games like this. But you know, full commercial projects, I really feel like because the thing investors generally don't care, like they're not passionate about anything other than money, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So you know what they're good at seeing if things are going to make money if you can't convince at least one investor to invest something in your project, I don't know that it's okay to, um, I don't think it's appropriate that Kickstarter exists in a lot of ways.
0: But how, how could, how could a couple of guys, you know, um, how could a group, maybe a team, how could, you know, maybe you got five people of various backgrounds and skill sets. How could they realistically go out and find an investor? I mean, this is like their opportunity to take their case to the people.
1: That's been a challenge for for hundreds of years, right? Um, you know, how did Bill Gates find an investor for Microsoft? I mean, it, it's
0: not His dad friends and family,
1: right? <laughs> no, yeah, not that rich. I mean, initially, I don't know. You yeah, know? you, you got to yeah.
0: be, you got yeah. You're right. You, I guess that's the hard part. Here, let's here they they came up on the video now. They, now, the, now the music is done and the guys are back. Let's hear a little bit what they have to say, and maybe we can uh, get some. We it's can garner I'm some insights. Designer for the Drudge Ballers. What you just saw was some of the latest
1: footage from Tumbleweed Express, a game that our team of committed, independent developers have been passionately working
0: on for the last three years. The project was first prototyped in November of 2011 as a result of Game Jam, which is a 48-hour marathon session of iterative design and rapid prototyping around a particular theme. In our case, train combat. Our goals for this project are to produce a game that will be enjoyed by enthusiasts of trains and steampunk, as well as fans of tower defense and rail shooters. I like the idea of train combat. That seems, <laughs> that's an untapped market, I think. Uh, I mean, I wish best of luck to him, but I, I also, I don't, see, the problem I have with Kickstarter is that it's a popularity contest. And if you don't have, right. if you don't have, an, it's, it's one of these weird things. Because if you actually had a following large enough to maybe rally around a Kickstarter campaign, you almost also wouldn't need Kickstarter.
1: But there's other side of things like, why you know why is it um, you know why is it necessarily fair that Kickstarter is designed basically on who can market and who can have the biggest following, who can have the best marketing campaign? How many how many Kickstarter projects have gone under right, where folks just you know ran out of money because they were too naive to have a proper business plan, which is again I know I'm going to get a lot of hate mail for this, but that's part of what a traditional investor would do for you right. They would sit down with you and say, actually, you know, a million dollars isn't going to do it. You need like 10 million.
0: Right. There's a bit of a vetting there, isn't there?
1: Right. There's a bit of a, a sanity test for profit margins and for what if something goes wrong.
0: That just – that or, does not scale to the demand, right? That's, like, and
1: I, I love the types of people who do kickstarts, right? They're artists. They're creative people. You know, but the problem is – and again, Linux fanboys hate me. You kind of need a jobs and a was, right? You need a business guy and a, and a technical or creative guy.
0: Hmm. I, yeah, I think I think which or or you have to have something that is so appealable to the general public that it's a slam dunk. Something that, that people will tell other people that can I don't want to use the word viral, but that can that can pick up a lot of self self momentum uh, in the marketing, and and that is a very rare thing because it really needs to be something that addresses a market need that is something that a lot of people have acknowledged as a market need. I'm not trying to say that a train combat game isn't isn't that. But it's probably just not that appealing to that mass uh, mass market. Um, and I think maybe if you look back at uh, a previous interview where we talked about shipping a more minimum viable product, maybe you could scale it back and get it to something that could generate a little bit of revenue on Steam that could then justify in- investing further into it. And then also gives you the opportunity, if it just doesn't do well, maybe you, the market has spoken. Um,
1: and, and, you know, one thing I would say is like people say, oh, well, you know, then they can't afford to quit their day job and, and you know, start a business or start their project. You know, starting a business has uh, traditionally and has forever been really, really hard, right? <laughs> and the yeah. reality is, the vast majority of people who do it fail and end up filing bankruptcy and end up having, you know, some severe issues. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm not sure that we should be. The other side of the thing is, I, I definitely see a lot on Twitter, a lot on Facebook, folks who contribute to Kickstarters feel like they're investors. No, you're, you're donating to someone, right? I mean, in reality, you're a donator. And if that person doesn't follow through, or you bought into some hype, or they change their mind for whatever reason, maybe it's too hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are not really entitled to your money back. I, there, I, you know, I'm sure you've seen these Chris people oh, raging yeah. that they should get a refund. I've even
0: struggled with feeling that way sometimes.
1: Right. Well, you're not entitled to it.
0: Right. Like, yeah. Legally,
1: you're just not. Right. So, you know, I, I think that you know. I don't know many of you will know this. The United States has laws about who can be an investor generally speaking, right? To protect people who might not be able to afford it. And in my mind Kickstarter breaks down that barrier, which in most cases I'm all down for breaking down barriers. But I'm seeing way too many like people who you know, invest $1000 that they don't really have, right? Mm,
0: mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kind of thing. It's just not yeah. Uh yeah. You know, I, I think part of it is sort of a change in perception. And then, you know, people commit to a lot in their campaign and a lot of times people have a hard well, it's time. It's also learning.
1: taking the risk, right? If if you're so confident in your project, if you're so confident in your business, why don't you take the risk? Why don't you let your family take the risk of going bankrupt and not ask for other people's money? Or get an investor and if your if your project's so good, a traditional investor should jump, right?
0: Maybe. Get
1: twenty, thirty percent of that.
0: I mean, that seems like the more, traditional, the more traditional approach would be you assume all of the risk up front, you carry that burden to make it a provable product, something that people are interested in, and then it becomes an enticing product for somebody to want to invest in because you've already demonstrated it can have some success.
1: So, yeah, I think that's the better model. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, uh, I'll tell you about a great model. That's DigitalOcean, our first sponsor on the Coda Radio program, DigitalOcean.com. Let me tell you a little bit about why DigitalOcean rocks so exceptionally hard. I, they've made my life straight up hundred percent easier, I used to do server deployments for a living, and now now that DigitalOcean is here, this is the way I do all of my server deployments from now on it's not even like there's not even a second thought, and I'll tell you why DigitalOcean is a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way to spin up a cloud server. That means my barrier to entry to get a new server going is super low it doesn't make me wait, stretch it out, procrastinate. I know I can just go get it done super quick. Users can create a cloud server in less than 55 seconds. And pricing plans start only $5 a month for 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer. Connected to tier one bandwidth. DigitalOcean has data centers all over the world. New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, and London. I've got a couple in New York and a couple in San Francisco now. I'm I'm like I'm all up in it in, dro- in droplets, you guys, and I'm thinking about going to London just that way. I have some geographical diversity. It's pretty awesome. That new L- London data center is rocking too. Incredible spin up times, private networking, CoreOS OS is deployed in many of these regions. Such a great time to try it out too. And if you use our promo code, you get ten dollar credit, which means you can try out DigitalOcean two months for absolutely free when you use our promo code coder. September. All one word, lowercase, code or September. when you check out. You'll get the $10 credit. That'll give you ample opportunity to play with the DigitalOcean dashboard. It's amazing. They have an intuitive control panel, which power users can replicate on a larger scale with their straightforward API. And I've been told it's a damn fine API, too. This is so much. It's so impressive to see all of this come together. KVM, SSDs, Tier 1 bandwidth, an amazing dashboard, a great company and people behind it. And honestly, I won't lie, as a Linux advocate... I'm, I'm extremely proud that the Linux technology that we've all been championed for and pushing forward things like KVM and all of these advancements have made a lot of it possible. And now for a great price, and you can support the Jupiter Broadcasting Network, when you use that promo code September when you check out, you get that $10 credit. It's a great way to go. I have my PayPal account connected, and so if I end up with a couple extra bucks when we clear out all the things at the end of the month, I could toss it over there, or you could do that too. Or you can connect to a credit card or whatever you like. But when you use the promo code Coder September, you'll get the $10 credit, and you won't even have to worry about it for two months. Try it out. Absolutely free. DigitalOcean.com. And a big thanks to DigitalOcean for sponsoring Coder Radio Program. All right, Mr. Dominic, so uh, our first bit of hoopla this week is... It's a steaming pile of hoopla. It is a. It is so steaming. It is so piley. Uh, let's see. Where did I? Oh, oh, I, I had. A, I printed out. I printed out the highlights of it because it was so steamy piley. But then I we got all talking, and I
1: like threw Indeed, mm, and I have. I have a war story about this one.
0: Where did my notes go? All right. Well, saw all right. I have them on the show notes too. But uh, this is amazing. So two different posts. Uh, to yep. GitHub, and they've uh, caught the attention of our subreddit and many others on Reddit. So it's not just our subreddit. It's in the drama, but everybody is. Uh, and here's the first one. I'm just going to read it to you, okay? Or actually just a couple of highlights because it's a damn fine letter, but it's just way too long. Uh, anonymous writes, of course, on a, in a just on GitHub, uh, an open letter to Zamarian please stop abusing your monopoly. Uh, he says, I've been using Zimmerian for the past half year, almost full time, developing an application for both iOS and Android. Everything in this letter is based on my personal experience with this technology. And it goes on for quite a bit, so I extracted a couple of the good bits. Uh, he or she says, I'd really like to know what the priority is at Xamarin because it seems that cool thing to demo is way up high and working software is hiding way down in the corner somewhere where nobody sees it. I hope that someone at Zamarian is actually reading the error reports that Zamarian Studio generates. Does anyone there actually use Zamarian Studio? Or is it just something you guys sell and never try yourself? Throwing exceptions on undo and save is something no editor should ever do. Period. Please stop adding new features and go fix some bugs. There are hundreds of them just in the UI editor alone. Uh, and he has a list here uh an s ton of null no exceptions at runtime save doesn't always on work, work undo doesn't always work android ui designer sometimes design to decides to f up the whole design then a second post um this one because of uh because of uh, github's uh, spam system got pulled down but i grabbed the google cache of it so we can still see it uh and i have that linked in the show notes uh second post zamerian makes me sad my message to them uh here's the tldr version i love c sharp more than any other language. But Sumerian is horrible. I wish it were mono, and I wish mono were never invented. It's a disgrace, completely broken and buggy, and the most broken thing in the entire universe. But I still use it. Why? Because I can write for two platforms if it was one. Well, not really, but because I work on small apps. I don't have to write all the business crap twice. That's about as good as Zomerian is, and that's the only thing. Uh, they, can actually, they, can, they can actually compile plain C-sharp, hooray. If only the rest of the crap it was if only the rest of the expensive broken crap actually worked as advertised. If you don't believe me just go to their bugs and look at their bug tracker and look at the mono release notes. Just look at the list of shiny features. Well, half of that crap is either broken or was never implemented or just doesn't work as documented. Everything is just everything is just a lie that should make it look good. Zumerian does thousands of things. They release new iOS SDK the same day Apple releases it. Wow. If only they waited a year and released a working version instead. They make thousands of cool features, but they're all broken.
1: I, so, yes. you know, I, I've been using Xamarin a bit, and so there's a few things here. I'm going to, you know, a little defense of Xamarin. I have not experienced any iOS 8 issues, anything like that in Xamarin, period. Uh, Xamarin.iOS and Xamarin.Android are fine. Xamarin.iOS is definitely better by a pretty significant margin. Um, in our testing here, Xamarin.Android needs a little more TLC when you're working on it. It's not unusable, but it's um, – you can tell that there's a preference over at Xamarin, right? That there's a little more TLC on the iOS side. But all in all, Xamarin Classic, as we refer to it, is fine. Xamarin Forms is a steaming pile of shit.
0: <laughs> wow. We
1: did a POC app for someone, and we ended up totally rewriting it outside of Xamarin Forms. Really? Because there is a memory link in moving from one page to another. Now, before the, oh, that's so mean to talk about this publicly, people email me, I have been working with Xamarin for almost a month now on this issue, and they have um, given me the, hey, man, we're working on it. Hmm. But I think it's, you know, as my team has been working nights and weekends to rewrite the app, and we paid thousands of dollars in Xamarin licenses, um, I'm pretty sure that I would like to see Miguel stay up and his buddy Jason stay up as well.
0: Well, now, Uh, but doesn't this get back to, see? I mean, don't you think it's a little cheap to throw around the price? Because doesn't that get back to software pricing and how it's all out of whack anyways? uh, If
1: you buy a broken refrigerator, you are entitled to a refund. If you go to a restaurant and there's glass in your salad, you are entitled to a refund. If you go to a restaurant and your salad's fine but your soup has a dead roach in it, you're entitled to a refund. Yeah, I suppose you see where so. where I'm going with yeah, this?
0: Yeah, I do. I follow you.
1: So half, in my opinion, Xamarin Forms is half of the product. Wow. I believe that everyone – because it's part of the value prop, right? Right ones, It's very simple enterprise-style applications. Um, uh, my opinion that everyone who, in the last year, has purchased a Xamarin license of anything above Indie, right, where you'd be entitled to form so business and up, yeah, should be entitled to a minimum of fifty percent refund. And in my mind, Xamarin does offer consulting. They should be, frankly, they should be working on your customer apps and your internal apps to resolve the issues. Hmm. The, these are memory issues that, in forms at least, you have no way to access the low enough level to resolve on your own. Right. So it's not like, oh, be a better low-level developer. I can write C++. I can write Objective-C. And ironically, the issues do not exist on iOS. So that goes to show you that. Or rather, they're less less—they're uh, not as prevalent, and they don't cause crashers on iOS. So again, Xamarin Classic, wonderful tool. I have not experienced really anything negative other than Xamarin Studio on Windows being kind of flaky. Yeah, I've heard that pretty too. Ob- it's pretty obvious if you're using Windows, they want you to use Visual Studio. Yeah, exactly. And Z- I guess it works For-
0: better on uh, Linux and Mac, right? Yeah.
1: Xamarin Forms, well, I don't know that there's a Linux version. Xamarin Forms is wonderful on iOS and totally broken on Android. And it's broken in a very sneaky, memory leaky way where you won't notice till you're at that like, 80% point mm-hmm. and you need to start QAing and putting on polish.
0: Takes and- a while to sneak up on you, you're saying?
1: Yeah, and let me let me add some documentation lest people think I'm cruel. I'm gonna point you to the bug where they confirm the oh, issue. Oh,
0: very good. Yeah, okay. I'll I can toss that in the show notes too, so we have that. Uh yeah, you so know that-
1: this this is where we get into you know, in the world of open source software, like if Rails has a bug, in my opinion, nobody has the right to bitch, right? But when you're paying what is a very significant amount of money for developer tools in today's market, right? You just simply, simply cannot tolerate this. Agreed. And frankly, if I was Miguel de Acasa, I would be out publicly firing people, shaming people. There would be very, very firm responses to
0: this. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to – so this seems inevitable because of what the goal they're trying to accomplish is so vast. They are trying to essentially key, keep up with the innovations of Google, Apple, and Microsoft all at once.
1: But they're not, right? So, so that's the problem. On Xamarin Classic, they're just writing basically a .NET wrapper around Android and iOS, and that works just fine. I think Xamarin Classic is a great product. Okay. Xamarin Forms is the old write-runs-run-anywhere, except they released it as a 1.0 finished product, and there's this massive bug. Like, this has nothing to do with being a fanboy on iOS, as people are writing in the chat, or being you know <laughs> foolishly technical this is being shitty at managing your product right you release something that you knew or should have known was broken you charge people thousands of dollars for it and when someone complains you say hey man we're working but we have lives too uh sorry go fuck yourself you don't have a life right like
0: we spent a you... lot of money for this
1: and in my mind they're legally liable they should be culpable for any losses any of their, their customers sustained because of using forms
0: Wow, it's that bad.
1: Hint, hint, considering suing Xamarin. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's that bad. Like, this is, this is incompetence on a level that's almost mind-bending. And the fact that I'm still dealing with middle management is very disturbing. And that I'm not alone. That's the sad part about this.
0: Hmm. So, I mean, I, I was wondering if maybe we'd read through these reviews. and Because to be honest, when I read these, these people sound like they're being emotional and reactionary. Um, I mean, everything has problems, but it sounds like the problems are severe enough that it, ha- it causes uh, you not to be able to deliver the product you've been able pr- you promised the customer.
1: Well, the problems are you were sold something, and as part of the price, you're getting Xamarin forms. right? I have not experienced the problems that these people say they're experiencing with Xamarin.iOS and Xamarin.Android. But the problem is you were sold half of a product, Half of it does not work,
0: hmm.
1: and that this is. Think about this: if Microsoft released Microsoft Office and Excel simply did not work, heads would roll. End of discussion, right? You know the Samurai guys love .NET so much. I'd like to see what Satya Nadella would do to the guy who said Excel was ready to ship and it was totally broken.
0: Yeah, you wonder too uh, how uh, how some of these platform owners feel about or Xamarin or screwing the pooch like this. Like it doesn't make doesn't well, make the I, on you
1: know I've heard I've heard the Xamarin team running about and going on all these iOS podcasts and talking about how wonderful it is. They're not so quick to go and talk about forms though, or to go and talk about Android. It's uh, it's really interesting. It's almost like selective marketing. So it really but is. You're selling you're, se- right. you're selling forms as yeah. though we're finished. Yeah. It because really why? is, though, Android around, second. If you turn around and said Forms wasn't finished at this point, you yeah. would be legally culpable and people would be entitled to refund and damages. Right, right. That's what this is all
0: about. Uh, Android second, iOS first, and then they, they, oh, and they Android, called it
1: Xamarin, – Xamarin.Android works. Forms does not work on Android. And you could say, oh, well, just don't use Xamarin Forms pages navigation system. That's the whole point, Right. I mean, if you're going to use Forms and rewrite native pages, then you might as well just write regular Xamarin or write two native apps at that point.
0: Hmm. That's a good point. I mean, seriously, at that point, it, it would turn out better. And you'd have more low-level controls. And you'd have more troubleshooting right. capabilities. And really, do you want to be tied and what's to... What's really
1: ironic is, is if you go into this bug tracker, not ironic, but really indicative of how they think, and, oh, Android's next on the hit list. I'm sorry, is there one of you? Right. Or, and, and, you know, we have the full tool chain here, so we're getting all these great updates for iOS 8. Yeah, Xamarin, Forms and Android is broken. In my mind, if you have a broken product out there, that's a showstopper. Guess what? Maybe you don't get the day one marketing iOS 8 release. You fix the product you already sold to your customers.
0: Right, exactly. That's it. Yeah.
1: You don't worry about, you know, the new page detail view for the iPhone 6 Plus, <laughs> the new extension stuff in iOS 8. Gotta you gotta have it! You do right by your existing customers... And frankly, you should compensate them for their time and their losses.
0: Yeah, uh, I think it, I, You know, I think the problem is is they are extremely limited in resources, and it simply comes down to the fact that they're making their money because of iOS.
1: No, the problem is is that their 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 management is cowardly. That's their problem.
0: Well, maybe so. I think maybe that's very true, because of the reasons I just said. But I think that's probably what it, that's right.
1: Because here here here's the defense, right? we we're doing some very hard stuff. Great, then do it. If you and if, if being hard is your excuse for shipping a bad product, do it as open source. Don't charge for it, and uh, great, right?
0: Yeah, right. If you're
1: charging, this is a commercial product. That's not an excuse because right. you're not charging five bucks a month. You're charging thousands of dollars per person, per seat, per platform. Actually,
0: Mike's ready for a lemon law. For all right well I got oh, no, I'm,
1: I'm ready for no, I'm ready for some accountability. Instead of going on I, Miguel De Casa, you want to come on next week? Instead of going on all the iOS podcasts, talking about how excited you are about iOS 8 and about the new iPhones, why don't you talk about how you screwed about 30 percent of your customers?
0: I would love it if you wanted to come on. That'd be great. And have, we could have a nice chat. I think the, the, the question would really be, is, I don't think that's going to fit into the marketing <laughs> message very much, so I wouldn't be too surprised if that didn't happen. Not exactly the message they want to put out right now, uh, and it's pretty frustrating. And it's interesting; that it, it sort of seems to be bubbling over for a lot of folks. Do you think uh, it's particularly exacerbated right now because they've been so focused on iOS because of the new release, and so that's why there's I, so I think, much? I cries think that's here? hurting.
1: And I think one thing is that Xamarin Forms. Um, you can feel that they definitely rushed it out, and that there there's a little bit of a narrative. What some of the developers who didn't try it saying? Oh well, I mean that's obviously the lazy way. Well.
0: Mm. But you bought
1: it, right? So you might as well try it.
0: Well, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: It's like saying, "Oh, well, I bought the steak and salad, but you know, steak's bad for you, right? You sh- shouldn't eat steak.
0: Well, what seems so eat the
1: salad, and then you won't have any problems."
0: What seems interesting to me that I'm noticing is um, there there seems to be a lot of like uh, problems that would be pretty obvious with some basic QA too.
1: Right. So how how can you not go four views into an Android app and see a crash? Like, well, how the hell does even the most incompetent, college-aged QA person not catch that.
0: Which just implies a total, you know, secondary priority status.
1: It implies that no one looked. Yeah. It's, 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 it is the simplest thing. I bet you we could have give, given Dylan the QA job and he would have done a better job.
0: Probably. He's good at finding those bugs. They're like, hey, it closed. <laughs> Surprisingly good those kids are finding bugs like that.
1: <laughs> Ooh, I'm all riled up. Chris. Yeah, it's all right. Oh, by the way, Linux sucks.
0: Oh, my goodness. All right, let's take a minute and uh, we're going to refresh. Uh, here's what I want to do. I want, to, I want to talk about how right I am about everything and about how everything we just talked about is completely backed up by facts and data that I want to get to in the next segment. But before we do that, uh, <laughs> I was kind of exaggerating there, but I do want to mention Linux Academy. Go over to linuxacademy.com slash coders where they've got a whole bunch of new stuff. I was just thinking today, if I was somebody who got thrown into a project where all of a sudden I needed to maintain a LAMP stack – And it wasn't my strength. Like, I've been, like, not a Linux person for a while. You know, maybe I've been checked out, don't really, never had any interest in figuring it out. And all of a sudden, I'm thrust into a position where I need to be responsible for this. Linux Academy, that's where I would go. I would just get started right over at linuxacademy.com. And now's never been a better time. Go to linuxacademy.com slash coders with that S so that way Coder Radio gets credit. And I got an email from Anthony, he's the guy that runs Linux Academy over there. Mike, i got to tell you about some of these improvements they're rolling out. And this is why it's great that they have a subscription model, because you get all the stuff I'm about to tell you as just part of your Linux Academy subscription – No rate increase or anything like that. And when you go to linuxacademy.com slash coders, you're going to get a great deal. So here's what they just added. He says, check this out. Our lab platform now allows users to have four running Linux servers at one time. You can have any distribution you would like from the list. They have seven plus Linux distributions. And then their courseware will adjust to those distributions, which is awesome. As well as two public host names for each server. You can even assign each server a role. It lets you say you want to be a a database server. One server could be a DNS server. You can label those roles in the interface so you remember what they are. Uh, Learning plans are now uh, rolled out. Learning plans allow users to select their daily availability. So you can say, I've got this much time to commit to Linux Academy tonight or this morning, or whenever it fits into your routine. And they will automatically generate a study plan based on your availability. Learning plans will give you the lessons, quizzes, and labs that are due on each day, as well as even send you an email reminder that you have items due on that day. Based on your availability will then give you a projected completion date of the course with extra time included for studying. They're also going to roll out some new available courses they've been working on for a while now, like uh, Chef Fundamentals, CentOS 7 Enterprise, as well as Apache Tomcat, deploy and manage OpenStack on Ubuntu, and uh, they've also had some new live stream content. You can ask the instructors questions. It's so awesome. 14 upcoming courses for the remainder of the year, and he'll, he'll probably give me the 411 as those get closer. So go over to linuxacademy.com slash coders. They have a bunch of great AWS courses as well with scenario-based training, so you have, you've, gone, you've gone through actual deployments where they're spinning up virtual systems on the back end on AWS for you and getting the whole experience so you've done it in an an actual, real environment. Linuxacademy.com slash coders. Go check them out. Never been a better time to get your skills up to the next level. Maybe help get yourself over a hump if you're stuck somewhere. Or just tease your mind and see what interests you, what's coming up out there in the big, brave world, what you want to test, what you want to go into, what you want to expand into. There's always all kinds of things you can do it. Linuxacademy.com slash coders. And a big thanks to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Okay, Mike, so here's the hard numbers. Uh, this weekend, over the weekend, Apple sold more iPhones than Roku has ever sold devices, period. Apple announces a record 10 million iPhone 6s and 6 Pluses over the weekend. It's a record. For comparison, Apple sold 9 million iPhone 5s and 5cs, Last year, this means the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus set a new record by over a million units. What's crazy about that is they were shut down in China, where they would have projected to sell even another million a day had they been open in China. So that could have been even a higher number if they hadn't had the delay in China, which is absolutely amazing. Sprint said has been one of the first carriers, as well as other AT&T. I don't know know if you've heard from Verizon. But Sprint and AT&T said the iPhone 6 debut was the most successful iPhone launch yet. Sprint CEO tweeted and said that they were extremely pleased at the debut and it marked the most successful launch in Sprint's history. So, uh, 10 million iPhone 6s. iOS 8 rolled out on Wednesday. iOS 8 adoption has been lagging behind compared to iOS 7, which was a huge update if you remember everybody wanted to jump on it right away. 30% of iOS users have switched over to iOS 8 already, not counting the new iPhones. And the iPhone 6 standard screen size seems to be the most popular on web analytics. So, in one weekend... We have now got more iOS devices running the same version of an operating system than probably all Android devices out there. There's, you know, my, I look at the iOS ecosystem from a standpoint of somebody who wants to make money selling an application, and you've got to be kidding me. I, of course, Zemarian's focusing on, on iOS. Look at this. Look at this powerhouse, and it's a single phone vendor. So you focus on making a great experience on that single phone vendor's operating system, and you get the iPad, you get the iPhone, you get millions of devices, and you get some of the people ha- who are willing to, on average, spend more money in the app store than in other app stores. You bring all those things together. It doesn't surprise me at all that a company like Xamarin, who's trying to accomplish too much, is eventually going to have to cut corners somewhere. So they focus on iOS. It seems obvious.
1: Well, a couple of things, right? So certainly getting you know that many people in the same OS version that quickly is an amazing feat. And uh, Google, I still think it's time to take a little more control over your platform there, right? Android 1. Um,
0: uh, isn't It'll that happen. gone? No, Android 1 will happen. It's happening. It's, uh, it's happening. I, I, thought, I thought it You're was gone. You're thinking of yeah. Android Silver. Oh, Silver's Silver. gone. Yeah, Silver's, right. Silver's gone. Um,
1: I mean, the fact that iOS six 8 did well and iOS 6 is doing very well doesn't excuse Xamarin from any kind of, you know, selling a broken product. To no, it was, I, I, I doesn't, it doesn't
0: excuse it, but I think it explains that, you know, they look at their priorities and... Uh, I just the, the the I I look at it almost like the old game consoles. Uh like iOS is like the Nintendo Powerhouse. Yeah, but this like, is
1: what always happens, right? They get a big spike and it levels back out.
0: No, it doesn't. The iPhone has been the number one selling phone for like for every year since it since like smartphones were a thing. Like I looked back, I went back right, as far as 2000. Phones, but yeah, but Platform, dude, right? So but Android yeah, the yeah. iOS. All right. So uh So in, like, 2011, Samsung sells 40 million uh, galaxies. That's a lot of galaxies, right? Apple sold 140 million iPhones, right? I mean, it's still a huge scale. Yes, in total, unquestionably, Android is larger, but it doesn't seem to be materializing to developer priorities. It does not, right? That is not, for some reason, that is not translating to developer priority at all, and you are seeing it now even at the fundamental tool level. It's not just like when Flappy Bird or Instagram comes over anymore, but it's the fundamental tool level.
1: I, you know, I'm really... I, I The Android apps I'm seeing these days are, are probably some of the best Android apps I've seen in a while. Yeah, they're definitely a lot um, better. I mean, the, sh- certainly the reality, and I don't think it has anything to do with market share, of Apple customers being on the average, right? Let's not start a flame war. More, more inclined to spend money in more traditional ways. The data would Android seem to back Cano. that up, yep. Right. I mean, that's true. I mean, I've, I've, in the past, you can listen to the back catalog, kind of criticized Android users in particular for, well, being cheap, right? Um, and for being more willing to trade data instead of currency for, um, you know, for app experiences. I, I don't know what that means. So, I mean, the logical extension of your argument is that no one should support Android.
0: No, I think the logical extension of my argument is that it's going to have that second class feel for a really long time, and for people like you that are working with it at the tool layer, that's going to be extremely frustrating because that impacts your product.
1: Well, the problem is there's no reason for you to purchase a tool unless you're purchasing a tool to hit both platforms, right? If you're if you're going to say that we prioritize iOS and we only do iOS, you know, initially, then just do it in native iOS. So it, it, I, I'm not sure. I see
0: the. I the think maybe that. Right? The, the, well, the, the I. Ha- I think that is I, – I think maybe we maybe we should be – as an Android user, I, it, it frustrates me when an app comes out on iOS that's not available for right. Android. That's one of the reasons why I started carrying two phones. But at the same time, if I want indie development to be successful and I don't want every single indie developer to be bought up by a larger corporation and then stamped out into some molded product – And I have to understand that these people have to make money, and in order to make money, they have to sell a really good product. Our emailer, where where he's trying to get a Kickstarter, he's—he's—I mean, part of his problem is likely that he's using Unity and is unable to achieve the level of graphics that we would like to see maybe from like something from the Unreal Engine or something like that. When you water it down, you sometimes cannot create the best product you want. Now, I'm not saying that's always the case. I'm not saying that's true with Zmarion, whatever. But what my point is, if you don't focus on one thing, you don't put yourself all into one thing and make a native version of the app, it might not be the best app it could possibly be. Therefore, they're not going to make the most kind of money they could, kind of, they could possibly make. And if I want to support independent developers, I should be okay with them making the business choice to do that because that's where the money is. And that's what I'm trying to say Zmarion's doing, although they just can't Come out and fully say it because their product is being available everywhere. But in reality, what they can actually execute is really, really just kind of, kind of getting the Android support kind of there. You're, are you're, you're conflating two very different things. No, I'm, right? I mean I'm not excusing it, but I'm saying I can see from like a business reality but, standpoint what they're up against. It's
1: a different business, right? The, the commercial, you know end-user application business is very different from the developer tools business. It's like uh, going back to my fridge analogy. Selling me a fridge is different than selling the guy who makes fridges, you know, some sort of Freon engine to run the fridge. I forgive my ignorance on refrigeration. No, I
0: follow you, though.
1: Right. I mean, you have a resp- – I would say if you're in the tools business, you have a higher responsibility right, right, than yeah. if you're in the end-user business.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I mean, for instance, let's take a case study, right? Overcast by Marco Arming. Great podcast catcher. Great podcast app. Only available on iOS. Is that wrong? Absolutely not. Now, if he claimed Android support and the Android support was really, really crappy, but let's say he did something, oh, I don't know, like use screenshots from the iOS version and yeah. reviews from the iOS version to fake out right. how well, in quotes, it runs on the Android version, then, yeah, that's a problem, right? Like you,
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Exactly. Because it is a tool, because it's at that layer, they actually have more responsibility. If anything, they should they should narrow their fo- their focus, their 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 reach and just make what they do deliver work really well and maybe not always have the latest, best new platform features, but the ones they do decide to ship, you know, work.
1: Right. And I think that's one of the issues over at Xamarin is that they're so eager to tick off the box. But they uh you know I'd rather, honestly, I'd rather wait a couple months for new features. Boy, that feels like
0: a, like a top-down culture thing. Oh. Oh. Hmm. 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 Well, Mr. Dominic, anything else we feel like covering this week? No, I'm going to go make some chamomile tea, and I'm going to call California. <laughs> to <open some> <laughs> All right. If you'd like to give us any of your feedback, go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com, click the contact link, choose Coda Radio from the drop-down, or go to codoradio.reddit.com. Also, don't forget to join us live. You can hang on our chat room, give us your thoughts as we go, heckle Mr. Dominic or myself. That seems to be a, a fun pastime in the chat room. You can also title us, bang suggestion away. Chat room, this is your last chance to get your title suggestions in. And join us live over jblive.tv. We do this show noon Pacific, which is 3 p.m. Eastern, jblive.info for the audio version. All right, everyone. Thank. Oh, Mr. Dominic, is there anything you want to plug before we go, like a Twitter page or a, a website you want people to go to? I should- no, no.
1: I, you know, I just want to plug LegalZoom.com. <laughs>
0: Okay. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Coda Radio. We'll see you right back here next week.